This episode of Ringside is brought to you by DuraFirm. Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by Danielle Caroli, and I apologize because I sound like a frog. (laughs) What's going on, John? Oh, you know, just the usual. Got some a nice case of RSV from my child. And I've been sick for over a week. But hey, I caught up on some sleep, question mark. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, How, did that tea help, by the way? I'm actually drinking some of it right now. I want to throw it at the wall. Why? I'm not a big tea drinker. And you actually bought this for Tierney so kindly when uh, she got her surgery, I believe. Yes. And uh, it's great. It's a uh, pineapple medley of some sort. But I'm not a tea guy. I just never have been. I'm not a coffee guy. Uh, Maybe hot cocoa here and there. But I just, any, like, I guess I just don't like hot liquids. But, I mean, I'm thinking about taking a shot of Fireball right about now. Might do you some good. I'm in, so I'm in my kitchen recording because I need to stand up or else I've, I've been dealing with a lot of nausea. So, like, I'm standing up in my kitchen dealing with this. So if you hear the floor shift in or, or me, you know, looking for maybe a shot of Jack Daniels right here in this cabinet. You know why? Oh my God. Insane. Uh, everybody, please say a prayer. Not for me, but for tyranny. Cause she's been dealing with this for a week. <laughs> and, oh my God. So, You're I, your wife. <laughs> oh, she's listen. Folks, we're never getting divorced if this hasn't done it. Let me tell you, I bought two goats this year. That didn't do it. I uh, We're talking about adding some new bucks in next year. That didn't do it. I got really sick for over a week. That somehow didn't do it. We're, we're in it for the long haul, haul folks. So whoever's got the uh, bets in, you might as well just have whoever is on the winning side of that cash out now. Oh, my God. Well... It's always good when things like this come to really help you figure out life, I guess. Oh, I'm thinking out life. I'm thinking all about it. Tierney is a little bit jealous, though, because yesterday I was strutting around in my skinny jeans. That's right. Skinny jeans. I've lost enough weight with this thing that I got my skinny jeans on again. And, uh, yeah, and I, I don't know, I've got some kind of jazzy voice now, so I'm just some kind of sultry god right now. It's amazing. Okay. How's your week going besides, you know, dealing with my butt? And I, I do, before we get into that, I do gotta apologize to everybody. I'm sorry there wasn't an episode last week. Again, really sick. There was no way it was happening. We tried, but, uh, yeah, no. Glad to be back, though. But Danielle, how how are you? Good. Everything is good here. We passed twenty eight days on some of my does in breeding season, and I didn't see them come back into heat. But you never know, and especially one is an AI, and so you always get. A little bit more anxious on that. So we drew blood tonight and I'm going to be sending it out tomorrow for our first four does to hopefully confirm them bred. And then 
Yeah, so fingers crossed on that one. Don't know if we mentioned it, but I dropped down to milking once a day. That has been quite the adjustment in happiness and probably I was, say, I was like you're making this sound like a terrible thing Dude, no 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 I mean I only milk my does in the evening and we had a few does that just basically called it quits which is unusual for us but I think with the weather that we had the ups and downs in hots colds and then also hey quality just different things this year we really didn't push our does and so We had three does that when they started coming into heat, basically dropped their production. And so I decided to dry those does off because it really wasn't worth getting them up onto the stand anymore and milking them. So we were only milking six, but I'm only milking them in the evenings. And it's really nice getting a couple extra hours of sort (laughs) couple extra hours I wish a couple extra minutes of sleep in the morning because I just kind of go to the barn really quick throw hay grain the babies in the box change my waters out feed the cat feed the dog and go to work so that's a nice change of pace and hopefully everybody who's bred or who everybody who should be bred is bred um we have one more week for the majority to put them at 21 days. And Mm. I got a little nervous today because I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast a bit, but oh no, I know we've talked about it on the podcast a bit. My goats are notorious for getting out. And it used to be that I just had It always seemed like I had one doe that just always knew how to get out. And then there would be like a second doe that would know how to get out of the pen. And they all have like different manners and styles of if they're sneaking out or if they're just getting out. And for a while we were down to one and we could control her for the most part. We have our gate locked. We have a system that works really well for us when we remember to completely use it somewhere along the line we now have multiple does who know how to open the gate and if it's not locked all the way they get out and so they got out today and my I was actually on my way to the barn but my cousin who lives on the property called me to tell me that the goats were out and I asked him if he wouldn't mind putting the goats away And he said, sure, and proceeded to put all of them away, which then he, as he was confirming, because some were here, some were there, they kind of were all over the place at this point when he had found them. He proceeded to ask me how many goats I had in that pen. I had to admit the number, um, Mm -hmm. which I was actually pretty proud of myself for knowing the exact number that was in the pen, too. Um, But... I told him the number so that this way we he knew that there was enough in the pen, the right number in the pen. And part of that was because he was like, yeah, there's a bunch by the books. And I just my heart kind of sank because it would put a lot of those does at like 14 days, which could mean that the one cycle was a double cycle. My Nubians are notorious for double cycling and just kind of like this, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? A lot of those 14 day or, or those does that are around 14 days are the ones that I use protocols on. So I just really want those does to have taken on that because for various reasons, whether it's I want them to have ovulated multiple eggs or I just want them to be pregnant or there was an exciting AI, you know, all of these things mattered on this one. And so I took my buck out after all the does had been put back, found out that, yes, I did have a doe in heat, but thankfully it was a retired doe who is not getting bred today. However, 
because there was hours and hours of potential mischief, wrote it down because you never know. And I would prefer that this doe doesn't have kids. You know, if in five months, all of a sudden she starts to get an udder, I'm not going to be scratching my head because I have it written down that she was potentially exposed to the buck. But more realistically, I'm going to keep an eye on her. And in 21 days, if she's in heat again, I'll call it good. And otherwise, I'll investigate and then decide what I'm going to do. Boy, you're really teasing this discussion that we're going to have today with our topic. Wasn't it a perfect? I was like, oh, you know, the sweeping and the cleanup is kind of a pain in the neck here. But I just thought it was a perfect way to kind of, I mean, yeah. what better way to talk about this topic? A little, little premature, just like a doe that has short cycled. Uh, we, <laughs> do, <laughs> we do have an ad read for this week. We have a new sponsor. Danielle, would you kindly tell the people with your beautiful voice uh, about our new sponsor for the week? This episode of Ringside is brought to you by DuraFirm. Created by Biozyme Incorporated is a line of nutritional supplements for sheep and goats that supports optimal digestion and nutrition for maximized performance at every stage of production. Both of us use DuraFirm Goat Concept Aid as our mineral during breeding season, and it's designed to support reproductive success. I started using DuraFirm on my goats at the beginning of this year around springtime. I really saw the difference when I started to do the first clip of the year. The condition of their skin improved so drastically. There is a shine to their coats that you really do not get unless your mineral is top notch. And I am just so impressed with what I'm seeing from the mineral so far. My goats love it. And I am excited to see how it helps this breeding season and beyond. To find a DuraFirm dealer near you, visit DuraFirm.com slash ringside. And thank you again to DuraFirm for sponsoring this episode. All right, Daniel, before we get into the main topic for the day, uh, I wanted to kind of touch on something real quick. Personally, guys, I've been sick in bed for a week, so I've been all over the social medias when I'm not sleeping or cuddling with my kid here. Uh, So obviously, the one thing that uh, everybody's seeing is the Will Shakespeare stuff that was going on with an exclusion for DNA. Basically... It was made out to sound like this buck just got picked out of thin air to be put onto this exclusion list after after convention. Subsequently, any animals that were related to him were on a downstream list as well. Since then, the breeder had come out and said that she had not heard anything from Adka. And this is all very insane and she doesn't know where this came from. Obviously, we're not hearing anything from Adka. But since then, the animals have been taken off of this list. Subsequently, any of the downstream animals have been taken off. And I just got to say, when I was watching this whole thing unfold, you know, I've had an animal that was part of a downstream exclusion in the past and know the process as far as how to come up with a conclusion for any issues with DNA. And to kind of watch this unfold in like a two-week span where it's like all of a sudden this thing just like fell off out of nowhere. The breeder saying that Adkin never got in touch with them, which I find that very hard to believe. Uh, I think that there needs to uh, be some kind of explanation from both sides of what actually happened, because right now we're getting one side of the story. Uh, But the one thing that is making everybody really up in arms about this, and the reason why I bring it up, is because when you're thinking about the people that are submitting DNA for these animals, you know, like who's allowed to submit DNA? Well, anybody that's got a straw of semen or anybody that's got owns the animal or has the hair uh, can submit DNA on an animal. People are worried about that causing issues. But I mean, if I buy a straw of semen, I don't see a buck that's on that's reported as collected or for some reason I want to collect them again or, you know, 
put them on file again, you can submit that. So I just think that this is like a very eye-opening thing where it's like, oh man, like we got to come up with some way to formulate what can and can't happen when submitting DNA and who and who cannot submit DNA and all these rules and structures for these exclusion lists. I mean, I know how long it takes for an exclusion an exclusion to be fulfilled when a breeder is actively working with ADGA and for this to be fulfilled within like a two week period, it sounds like it's was not the case to me. And it, it definitely raised my eyebrow. So I just want, I, we've been reached out to by a bunch of people. I've been reached out to by a bunch of people and I just kind of wanted to weigh in on it. I think that the whole story is not being told. And there definitely are ways that, I mean, the exclusion list from my understanding, and I, I know very little about all of this, but the exclusion list was released dur- during the board meeting. So um, it was, I want to say it was probably part of maybe in the genetic, I-, I don't necessarily know where it was talked about, but the fact that there was an exclusion list that these animals were pulled was released during the board meeting to all the directors. And there are many animals on this or there are several animals on this list. My understanding of it is it is not the list of, oh, shoot, I pulled hairs on my animal. I submitted it and I just got it back that this animal does not match the pedigree that it's supposed to have or what I thought it was represented. And this is more of the animals that at the time when this list was published and it's a list that's going to get updated and animals are going to, it's a very organic list. Animals are going to be taken, you know, added onto it. Downstream animals are going to be added onto it when those animals, um, those like animals with the pedigree somehow are misrepresented and need to have a fixture or closure to their case files, I guess is probably the best way to say it. But like those things are going to kind of ebb and flow as breeders work to take their animals off that exclusion list. But I don't my understanding of it and I could be wrong, but like this is not a immediate answer. Like the goat that has a pedigree issue is not immediately added to that list that and there is. No, it's like a last resort list like like King Charles was on on there, which. Back when we first started this podcast, we talked about King Charles and the issues that he, they, the breeder had with him and how many animals were affected by that. And it was like two or three years of them hitting dead end after dead end after dead end by where he finally hit this list and is now taken off, right? So for, for that animal that's like two or three years in the making to hit the list for the first time, that tells me like this, this Will Shakespeare issue was like, and this is, me totally just thinking as an individual and a you know free thinking person here is that if King Charles, who's at a dead end, is on there, will will Shakespeare uh, like they must have had no contact with the breeder whatsoever, and maybe it was going to a junk folder, all these emails or whatever they were trying to get in touch with her on cell phone, whatever. But like this exclusion list is a dead end list. This isn't a oh well there was an issue. We're just going to throw this this goat on there. Like, they take this seriously. It has been resolved now, so that is good. I think, I'm not sure what the status of it all is now, but I don't necessarily know how update, like, last I saw the one goat was removed from the list, but his his downstream progeny weren't yet or something like that, but they were showing up in people's files but i think the biggest takeaway kind of let's make lemonade out of lemons here is mm-hmm. that it's not necessary dna is going to do a lot in the coming years from for adga we are going to have animals that are going to be shown up with an incorrect pedigree by nature of human error record keeping issues with 
thinking I bred a doe to this buck, but then it was another buck. Talk, I mean, talk about colored breeds. I grabbed what I thought was the one sound and buck, but it was really the other sound and buck. I mean, there are so many things that are going to happen. Human errors, animals get bred through the fence, whatever it is that is going to show us that there are DNA issues in pedigrees. But if people are diligent, keep records well, keep hair samples and are willing to work and solve those issues, it's going to be less of a problem. And if you just start DNA typing all of your bucks, which we're going to have to do in 2024 anyway, we're not going to run into those issues five years from now. There's going to be a hiccup in the next couple of years, just going to be. But five, 10 years down the line, we're going to have, we're going to be working with a population of animals that are all DNA typed. And so when we have a kid come back of improper parentage, it's going to be very easy to say, well, okay, I had these three bucks bucks on my farm at that time. So it's going to be one of these sires and like, let's figure it out really quick. And like, let's get it. Done. But we just got to get to that point. And we, the only real way to do it is to DNA type your animals. Yeah. And you know, this kind of works swimmingly with what we're going to talk about today. And Danielle, what, what are we going to talk about? When I wrote this <laughs> intro, I was going to talk about how I have this whiteboard and this whiteboard has actually been a problem for me. But I think we need to go back again to kind of the start of this episode and how I mentioned that my goats got out. I had a doe in heat. (laughs) Like I said, there's a potential while I was gone and not supervising, she got bred. Probably very minimal chance, but a chance still the same. With that, I wrote it down on my whiteboard. The whiteboard's great. This is the first year I've been able to use a whiteboard because it's the first year that I've had a wall that I can hang a whiteboard on. I've been using it to keep track of various sick goats, quick messages between people, to-do lists, who's been clipped, who needs their feet done, things like that. But then I had this momentary panic this breeding season when I was realizing I was using the whiteboard more than I was recording the information in a more permanent place and realized that there's potential harm to my herd in my improper record keeping and kind of had that wake up moment that what I was doing and my record keeping practices were slipping and I needed to upgrade and kind of revitalize what I was doing. So kind of got me thinking about where I'm failing in record keeping, whether it's in the breeding plans in kidding season and sales. I mean, there's milk records, we have goat illnesses, and there's all this information that we have to keep. It's just how important. I mean, then you think about this DNA issue and all of these things that just record keeping is important. And so how can we really take the time to get our information stored properly and what works for us? Where can we improve? And so we just want to talk about that today. Obviously, you're talking about a whiteboard that you use, but what does your current record keeping look like for like breeding season and kidding season and so on? I have this whiteboard. The whiteboard's great. I took a picture of it because one of the flaws of a whiteboard, it can get erased. So I have the picture in my phone so that this way, if all else fails, it's there. But then I took the time to transfer the information to a to a google sheet so like an excel spreadsheet and what i started putting there is i had the doe the her what day she was in heat then i did a quick formula to figure out the next heat also when her draw blood date would be And that, which, so I did like a plus 21 days, plus 30 days, and then I did a plus 150 days to kind of give me the day that she would be due as well. I have the breeding 
or the Buckeye bread or two. But then also as I was doing this, because in the past couple of years, my breeding season has not been ideal. Not that I've necessarily had any, like there's, there's not necessarily problem problems, but we've had does that just haven't taken for one reason or another or mm-hmm. false pregnancies, all of these things. So, and this year I just knew like some of these heats weren't great. Some of these heats were on protocols and I wanted to make sure that was noted as well. So I had a column that just is a basic, quick jot down observations. Doe had discharge, but wasn't really happy to stand. Did the full cedar PG 600 estromate protocol, normal heat. This was on a double cycle so that this way I'm not like this way. I know if I can't get a doe bred within this next cycle, I can look back at my notes and say, all right, well, she's double cycling now. Is she consistently double cycling? Is it every week? Is it what is going on here? So, I mean, if it's every week, it's not a double cycle, but um, like, is she cycling irregularly or did I do this and had success with it this year? Can next year, do I need to repeat this or is she having weird heat cycles? Do I need to figure out what's going on? So I started adding that to the sheet that I use um, and that I'm real. I think that's going to be good. Usually I write the dates in my phone calendar as well. I do a mm. quick like buck dough and just add it to the calendar date as well. So that this way, that's an easy search for me. If I ever have any questions, I can just do a quick search on my iPhone calendar and it pulls up as well. So that's another thing I do. What do you do? I'm not as scientific about it. So for breeding, I uh, just put in my calendar who got bred to who that day, put it for all day. um, And then I'll mark when the 21 day is set set a uh, alarm for that day, just to remind myself if I'm for some reason not looking at that. I also have... uh, I I utilize the Apple Notes a lot for my iPhone. So I've got a bunch of different notes. You know, if I scroll through right now, I've got Doe's Bread When, and I've got, you know, on top of the list, Gem Voss, you know, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. I've got a lot of ringside notes. I've got, you know, I've got everything from kid names to goals to when the last time I did hooves was, I've got everything in my notes right here. Um, you know, vaccinations, all that good stuff. And I don't usually deviate from that. Now, I also have a fail safe for, like, say, breeding. For, for Say, for some reason, my phone just ups and blows up. You know, I, I write down in a notebook here, a tiny little notebook, anything that I need to know just in case. Uh, but also, you know, people on Facebook, if you think that I'm like, you know, blogging over here and like, Oh, today we bred Gem and Voss and it was so exciting. That's your diary. That's for for me. Today was a balmy 85 degrees and Mm -hmm. the air just seemed to whisk through my hair. But the scent of Buck was just so strong as Gem wagged her tail. Yeah. It was extravagant. It was amazing. It was everything you could have asked for, you know? No, that's that's for me. Like, yes, it's to get anybody that might be interested in kids excited, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for me, just in case I it's another fail-safe, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I really do um, if I want to get, like, super um, into it. You know, if we want to move right into kidding season – Uh, We do have a whiteboard calendar during kidding season that's literally set for February, March when we kid, and we don't touch it the rest of the year. And that is just for uh, when does are due, and then we're going to induce them when to start the induction process, you know, like, you know, the day before they're induced to do, you know, whatever. So, like, give them a shot of this, 12 hours later, give them a shot of this or whatever. So, um, that's what... 
that's what we do for kidding season. Do you, does yours change for kidding season at all? I mean, I know you've got more hands in the pot than just me over here with me and Tierney. So I have all of my does with the kidding dates go on a go on my Apple calendar. I or my iCalendar. Um, and then I like to write it out too on a paper calendar so at least I can look at it and then I can draw because I'm not inducing I can kind of draw the five five days forward from the first one um, Mm -hmm. to kind of give me a window and then we'll put it up on the whiteboard to this year the other thing I do with kidding is I have this journal and it's I kind of keep it very formatted year by year that, and I started it when I was, I had one year where I was just having hitting problems left and right. And we're not a hundred percent sure what was going on. Um, We actually that year sent out a bunch of kids for testing for different things. And it was, it was, nothing was able to be a concrete, this is what was going on, which in some ways is good because one of the first things they always test for and you freak out about is chlamydia and we didn't have chlamydia, but we never really had a definite answer of what was going on. But I just started kind of keeping a journal of the goat's births and when they Mm -hmm. were due, when they kitted, how that kidding went. And it's really interesting when I look back because you start to see the patterns, the same does over and over again. I know I have one doe who basically goes from zero to kids on the ground with no pushing, no real discharge. And it did. I had to look back in my notes and just say, oh, okay, she's done this before. She's done this before. And that's really helpful to me so that this way I know going forward this is most likely what she's going to do or a few times when goats have had C-sections or different kidding troubles. It's in that book to just kind of jog my memory and say, okay, this is how we treated this. This is how we handled this. And so what I do is I have the year and then I have the does and like in a list, like kind of a table of contents and then if anything happened with that kidding, like be it dystocia, pregnancy, toxemia, malposition kids, C-section, I kind of have that next to their name. And so that this way I can really quickly flip and see kind of that summary of the year and then what page that is on. And I can go back and read my notes for it. Or if it was just a found babies in a pen there's no no there's no real notes on that um i can just kind of ignore it and flip it through so it's just purely antidotal there's nothing scientific to it but it helps me kind of keep track of what was going on for birthing and then um for all the babies that are born i keep a job. I listen, I love a pretty spreadsheet and I love Google drive because I can use it on my phone. I can get it on my computer. I can pull it up when I need. Um, but I, then when we start having babies born, I have a beautiful spreadsheet and I'm just saying beautiful spreadsheet because I can say it's a beautiful spreadsheet. Because I made it myself. I made it myself. It's pretty. The fo- I like the font. Um, <laughs> but I just go, t- I basically, not that I necessarily tattoo every kid, but I assign every kid a letter. And so I just go down the list. And if it's a buck kid who is not being, who is not staying or does not have a, like a barn name it's just the descriptive color which obviously i'm aware i can do as a nubian breeder maybe you as an Oberhosley breeder cannot really put you know descriptive coloring in as depends who you're talking to now okay okay you know it's black baby with white ears and just the things because 
we'll put collars on the kids and then we'll tattoo the ones we're tattooing. But for the most part, I can tell them apart very quickly. But if there's three, if a doe has three buck kids and I need to know which one is one, two, or three, I have to put those descriptions until I've given them a name, if I give them a name or if they go or whatever. So I have the tattoo, then I have, or the, you know, the identification tattoo, I have either their barn name or description. Then the next column over, I have what will eventually be their registered name so that this way, if I sell them or even just for my record keeping purposes, because half the time my barn names do not quick closely resemble the registered names, I can know, okay, this is Dusty and Dusty's registered name is that. And then I'll put their um i'll put their registration number next to it so i know okay these animals are registered they're not um the date of birth they were born their dam and their sire and then i also have a tattoo column and a and a disbudding column so that this way i can just kind of keep track of who i actually tattooed Mm mm-hmm I know a breeder or two that could use that. It's very helpful because, I mean, granted, I usually tattoo and just butt at the same time. But if I suddenly have a buck, and most of the time I just tattoo the buck kids, so this way I know they're done. But if I have a buck kid that I go, okay, he's most likely not going to be any chance of registered I'm not going to tattoo him. And then something changes. I know that I don't have to, I'll have to tattoo him before he gets sold. Um, And then also the disbudding date, just so that this way I, I know when it was done, particularly when I'm going and getting kids disbudded frequently around that time of year. Um, And then I also have like a status column. Are, am I keeping them? Are they for sale? Are they retained or, are they reserved? Who they're going to be reserved to? And then I'm going to next year add a what day they left column as well and who they went to to just kind of further those records. Now, are you going to be adding a, oh, I pulled hair on this book kid and submitted it or I pulled hair and put it in an envelope and gave the form to the buyer and they're going to submit it. What do you do? What are you going to do for that? I haven't really figured out what I'm going to do in terms of that. And my issue is with that, that it's a lot easier in terms of steps in the process. If you are submitting hair for registered animals and it's, you can submit hair and have DNA done on animals that you're just submitting by their tattoos. And I've certainly done that before. But the issue with that is then you have to go and send an email to the performance program manager and say, this goat is now registered. This is their name. And then they have to go into the system and link them all up and connect all the DNA. And so it is kind of an extra step that when it's not necessary, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But I do not register my kids until uh, the kids that are leaving until they are paid in full. And typically when they're paid in full is that day they're leaving and I do the online program. So to register them and then be able to get the form for DNA and have hairs and submit hairs, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the best way to do it. Um, So I'm not quite sure how we're going to make that part of it all happen going forward. Um, It'll probably be a see how it goes and play it by ear because there's probably going to be, I mean, I think of my buyers, there's probably going to be people who are like, huh, no big deal. I'll just DNA type them when I get home or closer to breeding season next year. I don't need to DNA type him right away. And then there's going to be others that are going to be overwhelmed by it, even though it's a very simple, easy process. And me doing it 
just takes the anxiety away from them. So I, I don't necessarily know what the answer is for my herd on how we're going to address yeah. that or what that kind of is going to look like for us. But I guess we'll find out in a couple of months. Yeah, I got to kind of look and see what our practices are going to be for that. I haven't really set it in stone. We don't sell a ton of buck kids. I mean, I think in the last two or three years, we sold three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I I hate for my buyers not doing the, you know, their part affect me, you know, and all of a sudden somehow I create a awesome sire and sell it, you know, a kid, a bucket and he becomes an awesome sire and I sell it to somebody and he does amazing. And, you know, all of a sudden people are wanting to run DNA against him and oops, it's not filed. The person never put him on file. There's this whole issue. I've didn't catch up to it the first couple of years because they got swamped with all these buckets that are registered and put on file because that's what's going to happen. And all of a sudden you've got this huge mess, right? So, you know, the buck disappears or dies and there's no hair anywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't, for some reason, you can't um, create a profile and all. It's just, it's going to be a nightmare. So I, I just, that kind of nightmare situation that I just went through, I feel like I could hold off if I just go, I'm going to send it in, but it's going to be at your cost. Like you're going to owe me the money for this. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. Milk records, you do milk tests, so it's all right there. You don't have to, you, you're not like, oh, oh, little Jesse J milked six pounds this morning. Got to write that down. You know, you're not doing anything crazy like that, right? You're just doing your milk test. No, but the issue with milk records and with milk testing is that you get so much data. And you get so much data back, you get so much paperwork back. And for me, it kind of just all goes into a binder and I look at it and look at it briefly, but uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's almost information overload and everybody uses it how they need to and what they need it to, but there's so much more to it, I think. So I usually the paperwork that i get up you write it down in your journal um you know yeah after the season you go back in your journal you're like oh she was off feed this day this day so um that's why you know i'm interested in this whole journal idea i'm more of like a burn book from mean girls type type of guy but um i might have to give this a try (laughs) um now here's an interesting one i don't have a tank anymore when i had a tank i had no bucks in it yet you know i i literally was filling an empty tank until I was like, this is silly. I'm getting rid of my tank. And then I had bucks I wanted to collect. So now I keep my semen inventory with you. And I can tell you right now, I do a terrible job at semen inventory because I have no idea how many straws I have of what with my bestest friend in the entire world, Danielle Caroli, who could have none of it by now for all I know. Um, so what well, do you do for keeping records? Because I have none for mine. Oh, well, you don't have to worry because as your bestest friend, when you asked me to send all of that over Hosley semen to Ohio, I did. And I cleared the take. And so this, I dislike this joke so much. <laughs> I love this joke so much. I don't even I know. hear it at least once a month, maybe once every other month. Yes, I torture John and pretend that what I have in my tank is enough. Dr. Kirschnickies. Yes, exactly. But no, Mm -hmm. so I have a multiple sheets for my collection of bucks and tanks. And basically what I have is I have a quick list on my notes on my iPhone and it's what cane it is, what bucket is. And if there is a tag or like a number on the straws and then also how many straws in that cane, that's my very 
basic list. And that's usually what I use really quick when I am going and pulling a straw. It just is slightly easier for me to find what I'm looking for. Then in a Google Sheet, I have this list that is broken down both by the bucks I have and then the total number of straws I have of them because obviously some bucks, particularly the ones you collected or the ones you're hoarding and grabbing some whenever you see his name listed, you have them in multiple canes. But then I have it broken down by tank as well and then the inventory of though each cane or each goblet excuse me uh that i have so that this way i can go in and just look and see and then i also as i was putting that list together whenever i would use a buck i started recording the information of that buck as well so just kind of uh, the processor collection date and of them as well so that this way if i were to ever lose the straw that i needed to register a kid it was in my sheet as well and then if i look at it under a microscope i have a note on the quality as well i mean my quality notes are very like don't loosey goosey looks great got a conception on this one um you know do not use unless you're going to be using it for laparoscopic ai because i mean this is a whole nother topic and tangent but the percentage of sperm that's floating around if it's not great you might be able to get a conception versus lab on a laparoscopic but you need a certain percentage of live mobile sperm to even make it worth putting it into the goat allowing a conception to happen because you need a certain amount of live sperm to penetrate the egg to allow one sperm to fertilize the egg but that's a whole nother well yeah exactly it is another thing and like as you're like talking about this i'm like side note are you doing any more ais this year um hopefully not next year i've got an idea but that's off that's off air talk okay okay (laughs) that's when john doesn't sound like a frog talk how about that okay Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, and then, I mean, I just have all these different things on this list that just kind of help me keep track of it, though. It is one of those things that you have to be diligent about. I have to remember that I pulled a straw out and took one out from this when I used it. And um, it's easier for me when I'm used talking about animals I bred or not the animals I bred myself well yeah the does I used for AI myself but then also thinking about oh I use this to help somebody AI one of their does and I don't necessarily have that straw with me so I have Mm -hmm. to remember to go in and update that as well so I do have to I mean it always feels like I have to kind of really be diligent this time of year on keeping that inventory right i mean and then i also had a uh my tiny tank i mean this is total tangent i mean welcome to the episode i guess but my 20 tank is pretty full for better for worse it's pretty full and with that i also have a cane at the bottom of the tank with that it's causing issues with me putting goblets back into the tank correctly. So I had to do a whole switcheroo and take out one goblet, but then I put the straws and that had to be transferred over. And so I feel like my, I feel like I need to just do the next time I fill my tank, I'm just going to do a quick, my tanks, I'm just going to do a quick inventory and make sure everything's copacetic. Let me go. Let me help you with that. Why? So you can find out how many straws I have of yours? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Listen, you could also ask me and I would be very happy to tell you what those numbers are as well. Well, I know I've got enough, but yeah, no, I just, I also just to help, you know. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, you don't. I know you don't trust me on this, but it's fine. That's not true. (laughs) 
Listen, as long as I don't end up putting like some Nigerian semen in my Guernsey kid, we'll be good. I, I don't think I have any Nigerian in the tank. You would probably be more concerned about accidental Toggenberg than uh, Nigerian at the moment, but yeah, that won't be too much of an accident. <laughs> so, all right, back to this list here. Okay, getting back on track and <laughs> keeping track of certain things. Do you keep track of when? And then where some of these goats that you're selling are going to? No, I do, but I don't. And that's definitely something I think I need to keep better track of, particularly as you see kind of things happening. And I mean, my bucks are all DNA typed and I usually DNA type them young. But what if I do need to make a profile for one thing or another? Do I know where these kids potentially ended up to at least start my search so I can compile enough information to um, kind of trace down animals if I needed. And so, like I said, on that record column for where those kids are, because that's primarily for me, animals leaving are primarily kids. I very rarely sell mature animals, but that's going to be something I'm going to start really keeping track of, like, name, probably even contact information just to make it easy for myself. Um, But the other thing I want to start doing is writing the date they leave, be it a mature animal or a or a kid, because I want to make sure, let's say you have a precocious buck kid that was got in with the does or whatever it is. I want to make sure I know, okay, who was on farm on this day. So who could be the potential fathers if I ran into an issue Um, just Mm -hmm. to kind of cover my butt and make sure that I know what, what animals were on my property when, I mean, and it's just not even for breeding, but like potential disease issues, um, exposures, just those general record keepings to kind of get the gold star. If I want to make sure I can say on November 5th, 2023, there were these animals on my property versus November 6, 2023, I only had these animals. So um, just something to think about and start doing, I think. I think um, I should probably start doing the same. I sell so few goats because I breed so few goats that I can think of who my buyers are and you know where the goats are obviously i've got a couple goats that when we first started out i have no idea where they are now after we sold them right i sold them somebody and they sold them off to somebody else but i know who that original person was that i sold to in 99 percent of the the instances but you're right it, it really would be smart to start a list um for that another thing to start a list for would be um show wins You know, there was an instance this year where you and I are like, "Mm, Thea might have gotten a restricted leg here, John. I'm pretty sure that doe's finished. And you talk to the breeder. Hey, is is this doe finished? Uh, I'm not sure. She does so many like 4-H shows and stuff. So it's like hard to keep track of where she won and what show it was at and, you know, what division and all that stuff. So it's like, (laughs) really wish you wrote it down but um i don't want to end up like that so i think i should probably start writing my down but i can also just go back to good old facebook like i was talking about earlier and go to my farm page and be like oh here's the show wins for this year here's the show wins for this year okay you know here they are this is what she has but um a little extra sense of security just in case you ever lose that farm page or your personal page probably isn't a bad thing i've seen as i've been judging a lot of different ways that people keep track of show wins and it used to be one of those things back in the day that you would very quickly have that information added to the system and you could look back and go oh yeah that's right this is a judge and this is a judge but then obviously Mm -hmm. now as of this moment, it's on us as breeders to keep track of again. And that's fine, but it's just finding a new system that works. And I think... That's not fine, but yeah. Yeah, fine-ish, you know, whatever. It's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> but I've seen a lot of breeders use note cards and on each individual record or registration paper, they'll have a note card that they'll pull out and kind of write when they get the wins and which judges they have, they won under what the number is, if they can remember. Or I also saw, and this probably works a little bit better because it's right there. They just take a Sharpie and write on that sleeve that the registration paper is in in their binder and just say leg one, leg two, leg three, even if it's on the uh, the back side of that paper. And I really like that idea. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to start doing something very similar because it gets to the point where if I don't post it on Facebook, which again, utilizing that, there was a few times when I had to do those job forms going back and thank God I wrote it in, in uh, Facebook to find out what show it was and what who the judge was. Because I just, you start to lose track. And I mean, I have a few animals this summer that, you know, was like, did she go? And most of it was reserved. So kind of inconsequential in my Mm -hmm. mind. But like, did she go to reserve in ring one or ring two? Did she go reserve? Was it this doe that went reserve? Or was it this like... It just kind of those things. And so I think I'm going to just start at the end of every show, just kind of going through my book and going, okay, here's a win here. Here's a win here. This will be a leg. This won't be a leg. Or um, there was this dough got reserved, but I think this, the dough in front of her that went grand was finished or, you know, whatever. I'm going to keep, start keeping track of that a little better because you need to at this point. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I I should probably start doing the exact same thing. I think it's um, maybe it was like Holly Baroker. I think she writes it right on the um, registrations, like you were saying. Yeah. And she was able to pull it right up by just looking at the registration for each goat and boom, there it is. So that's another thing to do. Um, One thing that I would like to start doing is we're, we're talking about tips to like really, make it work for each individual person because each individual person has their own level of OCD and whatever. Oh. I'm eventually going. <laughs> what, what, what? what are you saying there, John? I'm My OCD is less than maybe yours. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say OCD. I think it's just the need to Attention have it to somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I've got much smaller herds, so there's a lot less to remember. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that I want to do is, you know, eventually with this whole podcast thing, I would like to have a computer that I don't have to wait 15 minutes for it to start up. Uh, and with that, um, I, I actually do enjoy using computers, um, kind of make those spreadsheets and have everything in one spot. So that way I don't have a million notes on my phone and I can transfer the notes over. Uh, I can transfer my calendar over. Um, and all that good stuff um, and, and just have it all in one spot. So that way when Tyranny is like, oh, you didn't tell me this and I don't have to spend five minutes going through a million notes trying to figure out what I was trying to do on whatever date, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly. I, I even with like my spreadsheet craziness, I, and it's too much information to put in one spreadsheet. I, I'm aware of that, but I almost want, a database that I could go to and probably what it'll be is a file that it's just like, here's the file, here's kidding, here's breeding, here's your semen inventory, but like a master database. And I know there's programs out there too, but that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, But like, I want something that I can just go, okay, here's like, click on this tab. There's my DNA. All of the, all of the does that are DNA typed on my farm, all their alpha casins, all their G6S, um, all of that stuff. Then here's the whole list. But then also I can tie it to this and I can add it to, it's on my, this is my crazy wish list that then it's already populates onto my semen list if I had them collected and I know their status. Um, And then, you know, here, there and everywhere and just this giant, beautiful, excel sheet of master craziness but 
I don't think that'll ever be a thing. <laughs> yeah. In a perfect world where you have more time. In the perfect world where I am a computer programmer and can develop what I need. Uh, I was going to add there because uh, I just thought of it. Also, uh, for those people, you know, along with the blogging, um, take pictures of the goats that you're breeding. Especially if, like, say, you're breeding a ton of goats or you've got a lot of goats that look alike but have small little differences. I mean, I bred a goat earlier this week when I was really sick. And if I didn't take a picture, I would have never remembered that it happened. And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, I take a picture of every breeding. I'm not taking a picture of the buck doing the deed. I'm taking a picture of the buck standing next to the doe. And there you go. But um, I think it's another little tip that can save you in the end. And hey, those pictures, if you go into your phone, they have times and dates on them. They're stamped. So if you lose all else except for these pictures, at least you got that and you can look at the time and date. Yeah, no. I mean, I always say if you AI take a picture of the straw with the information so that it's just there. If you lose mm -hmm. the straw... If you're not keeping a track, I mean, when that's one of the things I always say to do um, kids born, is it? Yeah. Take a quick picture. You have the date, you have what they roughly look like when you have colored, when you have animals that are, have differences, differences in color that helps. Yeah. You. Um, but, you know, a photo can save you a lot of time too. A picture is worth a thousand words. So profound. Anything else you want to talk about record keeping before we wrap this up? I think the biggest thing is just figure out what works with you or works mm -hmm. for you. Be consistent, be diligent and put in the time to make sure your records are accurate and it'll just save you in the end, whether it's, a trying to figure out a potential who's the daddy of a, an animal or I think um, two situations where come I mean obviously a lot of what we're talking about right now is because this is what our what's on our minds the breeding the kidding but if I'm going to loot a doe and induce her I want to make sure I'm aware of when she was bred and make sure that I didn't miss a heat or, or like I didn't not mark down when she got bred 21 days later or just different things like that. So I always like to have several fail safes so that this way, when I'm doing something that could have consequences, I am confident in that decision that my timing was right in all of that. But then it also is just really important because when you have things that are going awry or they're not necessarily going according to what should be happening. I mean, I think about my breeding season and the different things that are going on within my herd in terms of heats and things like that. It's just better to have it written down so that this way I know it happened and I can, I'm not forcing my memory to remember it because it's not going to happen it's something's going to slip. And so this way I know I can keep track of things so that this way I can say, whether it's with my vet or with somebody else, Hey, this is what happened here. This is what happened here. This is this, and this is this. And it just gives a better, fuller picture. It's, it's very important to do. Um, it's going to save you in the long run, run like you said. Um, and that's, I think a wonderful way to uh, back it up. I mean, folks, if, if you want to be, able to back up what you're saying and what you're thinking you did because let's face it sometimes especially kidding season show season life's a little bit crazy you might say to yourself yeah of course i did that and all of a sudden you go into the show ring with the goat and its hooves aren't clipped because you didn't look at your list to see if you actually clipped that goat's hooves or not or you didn't fill it out on your list uh, simple things like that and trust me it happens it happened to me I got in the ring and in one ring, the judge was talking about her feet. And I looked and I was like, oh, I totally missed a clipping on this goat's hose. Cool. And uh, promptly <laughs> trimmed her feet and went out there and showed her in the next ring. And guess what? Those, those The judge didn't say anything about it that time. Um, so it's something that simple. 
uh, can really go a long way in just any aspect of having these goats, uh, big or small. So uh, I think keeping a journal is a good idea, like you were saying. Um, and hey, if, if you keep detailed enough notes, maybe when you're in it 50 years from now, 25 years from now, whatever, you can write a nice little book about it and you got all those notes to look back on. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, if people wanted to find us on the internet, where can they find us? You can find us at dairygoatpodcast.com. We are on Facebook by searching Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. We are on Instagram and TikTok if you search Ringside Podcast. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and a rating. We really appreciate it. I again want to thank DuraFirm, created by Biozyme Incorporated, for sponsoring this episode of Ringside. To find a DuraFirm dealer near you, visit DuraFirm.com forward slash Ringside. Again, everybody, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. And thanks for sticking out with Frogbert today. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.